Welcome to Postscript. My name is Dave Severns. With me today is lead Pastor Paul Eastwood. How are you doing, Paul? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I am doing all right. Uh, We are on our third week of Advent. Uh, We are talking about joy this morning. And we've been in this series, which we have called A Very COVID Christmas. Uh, I just want to, before we get any farther, before we dive into joy... I want to point out some, we've had a couple of questions, uh, good questions around, you know, are we doing this because we're poking fun at COVID because we're not taking it seriously? Um, the answer is no. <laughs> so yeah. Paul, why, why did we, why did we want to talk about COVID and Christmas? Why did we put these things together and, and put it in our title? Well, I think, I think because there's a lot of people who would rather, they, they would prefer to ignore things that are difficult and, mm. you know, uncomfortable. And so we sort of push away from some of these things sometimes. Um, but I think that in the church, it is really important for us to tackle these things head on. And so we recognize that this, uh, this uh, COVID-19 is uh, deadly serious. Uh, there are people that are dying, that are there are all kinds of things that are, you know, happening around us that are influencing, you know, whether people have jobs or, mm-hmm. you know, their their financial security or, you know, relational issues or whatever it is, um, really, really hard things. And what we've been trying to say through all of this is that these hard things um, are are certainly things that are um, uh, that we that we have to experience. I mean, that, that's part of our our experience. But I think what we're recognizing is this is like the the hard stop and the reminder to like, okay, just pay attention to what's around you. And so because of all of this, I think that we're in a position to actually experience these themes of love and joy and peace um, and hope in a, in a completely different way. And in fact, if you're listening to this and you've been affected uh, by COVID in some way, uh, including, um, you know, losing someone who you care about, uh, you know, we certainly... Uh, we certainly want to to reach out to you and to remind you that in the midst of all of this darkness, Jesus comes and Christmas mm-hmm. comes. And that means something. It's not just another date on the calendar. It's a reminder that Jesus saves. And um, and there is there is so much hope in that. And and that brings us to joy. Um, yeah. Because, you know, we've talked about this idea that hope is is directly connected to joy. Um, you, know, I'm, you know, I talked about this idea that joy is actually the emotion of hope. Um, hmm. so, and I think that, I think that's a good way of looking at it, that those things are intrinsically related. The, the more hope we have, the more joy that we find in our lives too. Yeah. So this one to me right now in the midst of, of COVID, this pandemic, um, seems especially hard if I'm honest. Um, you know, it, it seems like, man, if I can get through the day without being overwhelmed or depressed or completely anxious, like that's a win you know, try, trying to figure out how to be really joyful in the midst of it is is kind of challenging. <laughs> yeah, and it can be inauthentic if we're not careful, right? Sure. I mean, nobody, and, and I think that if we are interacting with the people that are around us, um, a joy that that uh, that is unusual is certainly a joy that comes from the Spirit. I believe mm-hmm. that, but I also yeah. think that um, we have to be careful that uh, the joy doesn't come across as somehow uh, inauthentic or not real, and um, and and I, I think that if we if we set out and we plan to find joy, then we may find we may have a problem because there's there's mm. kind of this idea that like we feel that I can't um, I can't be happy in a time like this because of you know yep. whatever it is, yep. but when joy kind of like catches us in a moment where all of a sudden we're able to find a little joy in the middle of, of what we're facing. Mm-hmm. We, I think that's a gift and that's something that we should be actually pursuing more of. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, and again, I, I mean, I think in order to pursue it, it, it's just really about focusing in on, on the hope that we have in the middle of it. Yeah. Now you took us to the story of Mary, uh, spent a bit of time, bit of time with her and the Magnificat. Um, you give us a little recap there, remind us of some of the stuff you said. Yeah. I mean, well, we were talking about this idea that Mary was, this was not a Hallmark story. This is not something yeah. that's like, you know, for all of the serene and, you know, kind of these calm sort of uh, pictures of, of Mary at the, you know, in the, in the stable with, mm-hmm. with these people all around her and everything. The glowing halo. Yeah. I mean, so you, first of all, you think about what Mary faced going into this and, and that was crazy enough. I mean, you imagine going to your, to your in-laws and saying, no, 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 don't worry. Like, yeah, I'm going to have a baby, but God told me that it's his, you know, like, like imagine how you would have that conversation with friends or other people. Uh, people would not have believed her. There, no. There's no, there's, and, and so I think that the, the time leading up to the birth of Jesus must've been an extremely low, um, um, extremely lonely time, excruciatingly mm-hmm. lonely because she would have been, you know, like cut off from all of her, you know, support systems, her friends, her family would have been this, there's this huge like, uh, honor and shame culture that was, that would have been, uh, yeah. present at the time in the first century. And so, you know, they basically would have just shunned her and pushed her off because, um, because of what they thought about her condition. And yet in the middle of that, that's where we find the Magnificat. And that's uh, the uh, from the Latin Vulgate uh, for the first line of what Mary sings. And mm-hmm. so it's it's sometimes called the Magnificat, which means my soul praises or glorifies the Lord. And, um, and yeah, and so she sings that in that time leading up to the birth, which mm-hmm. is like, which would have been a crazy time for her. Like yeah. the, the story just kind of goes through it pretty quickly. It's like, okay, she's going to have a baby. The angel tells her it's, it don't worry. It's, you know, it's from God. Mm-hmm. And Joseph doesn't hear that first. We always forget that. We think, oh, Joseph was told too. He didn't tell him together. You know, he like, <laughs> he basically tells Mary and then there's like months later, then he tells uh, yeah. Joseph. And yeah. Only once Joseph is on the verge of leaving Mary does the angel, you know, come right. and be like, Hey man, right. don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, I mean, you think from there, like, so in this Magnificat, she sings like, you know, the Lord has done great things to me. And, and we just kind of, you know, sing this through as if it's like a Christmas carol and we kind of say, this sounds great. But then you think like, what, what did he actually give her? <laughs> like his, uh, the life that she lived, you know, including the birth itself. I mean, she had to travel for 80, 90 miles to Bethlehem while pregnant to, you know, to give birth to a son in a, in a, you know, uh, someplace outside of, you know, the, 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 mm-hmm. there was no room for them. And so she ended up laying or laying the baby in like a feeding trough. And then, you know, instead of like mom being there, you know, by her side or, you know, friends or family, she's got a bunch of like shepherds, like outcasts. Mm-hmm. Like imagine, imagine you like, like uh, being part of a birth where like, you know, all of a sudden the, the, the operating room or whatever is filled up with like a bunch of social outcasts. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, this is a, this is not a, a good story for her, but it's a good story underneath it all because it, yeah. it reminds us that God actually g- comes into the mess. He's not afraid of our mess. He doesn't He doesn't require everything to be cleaned up. He mm-hmm. actually comes into the middle of that. And I think that is tremendously powerful. It really is. When you think and, about it. And, and I want to, just for a second, we've had this conversation over the last couple of weeks of the historically accurate, um, yeah. <laughs> the nativity scene, because we've all got these images. I, I, I Certainly I do of these like nice wood cut out, 
you know, yeah. Mary Joseph in this perfect barn with a star and a couple animals and the yeah. wise men and maybe a drummer boy, right? Like, <laughs> so yeah. it, it, we, we know when we read the Bible, as opposed to taking our picture of the birth of Jesus from these nice pictures that we've got, um, it, it actually, a lot of those things are slightly different than we imagine them or they have different meanings, right? So, so the shepherds being there, again, these were the social outcasts. These were, if you... You know, it, it's kind of the, the people who are on work release from prison. What do they do? Yeah. They become shepherds, right? Like <laughs> yeah. it's they're not they're not the yeah. the up and up in society. They're known as thieves and dirty and and kind of like not good. So they show up. That's great. Yeah. And and Mary comes. Uh, you know, we don't know if she and Joseph traveled on a donkey, but we kind of get that. Yeah. We we get this animal vibe because they're they're in the part of the home or out back yeah. of the home where the animals feed, right? Which was yeah. kind of part of the home. And yeah. if you look at the, I read a really interesting article last week about why, why you know, it's not actually a separate building, which, you know, regardless, it was in the middle of everything. There wasn't a special room for them. It wasn't, the whole point is that it wasn't nice. Yeah. It wasn't clean, right? Yeah. Um, which, which I do think we get. And then we've got this story of the wise men, which, which you talked a little bit as well, right? Because the wise men came... Uh, following the star after talking to Herod to bring Mary and Joseph these gifts. And we've got this kind of idealistic, lovely, like, oh, here are some gifts. No, those gifts ended up being the things they sold to escape, like, just terrible violence um, and and a, a murderous leader, right? Like, we, we look at our political systems and we think, oh, our leaders aren't great. Sure, sure. But, like, at least none of them have said, let's kill all the newborn boys under the age of two. Yeah, exactly. right. And that was... That's what they were living in. It wasn't. It wasn't nice. And yet, Mary is this example of joy for us, right? Yeah, which is just crazy. Yeah, she's an example of peace. Mm. Um, and I mean, she's an example of many things. You know, when we can't think of these themes, but certainly, yeah, we find joy in the middle of it, and and or she finds joy in the middle of it, and that to me is. Um, you know, it's just so, it is so powerful. And, and really when she shows up to Elizabeth, so, you know, the story, she runs off to, to a relative when she finds out that she's pregnant mm. and when she appears there, uh, with her relative, the, um, what she's told when she sees, you know, when she sees Elizabeth in verse 45 of chapter one of Luke, um, Elizabeth says, blessed is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And so there's mm. this idea that happy, blessed is the one who believes the Lord will do what he says he's going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, in other words, joyful is the one who has hope in the Lord. Mm. That's, that's what, um, that's right from the very beginning. Um, you know, Elizabeth identifies that in Mary and sees this joy in her, uh, because she knows that God has fulfilled his promises, not only to her, but to everyone. Mm-hmm. Like when Mary sings her song, she, she doesn't just sing, um, you know, that God has done these things to me, which she does mm-hmm. sing those things. But she also says that God has remembered his, um, you know, servant Israel and goes, you know, kind of broadens the picture and says, you know, God's doing something huge here. Yeah. Remember, this is after like 400 years of silence and, you know, like yeah. all this kind of, we don't know what's going on. And all of a sudden it's like a, you know, teenage girl who's able to identify that that God is faithful. Well, and I, I want to just, uh, you know, pause there for a minute. I think it's so... Uh, maybe so important, so foundational, even in finding hope and joy and peace, um, to understand God's story, to understand kind of the bigness. And I'm, I'm not talking about being able to recite specific Bible verses. That that can help, but, um, you know, understanding the whole arc of the Bible. Do, do you actually, do you know that? Can you, can you explain that to someone else? Um, 
you know, it is really good to know specific bits. It is good to dive into the history and the context and the original languages. Um, but if we don't understand the big story, which includes the character of God, yeah. how he is faithful, how he is working, um, yeah. I think those are the places that we most find yeah. these things. And then and then once we get beyond that, once we dig into the prophets and the Psalms and the, the epistles and all that, like we, they're so much richer. But yeah. but I, w- I would encourage you just as a listener, if you if you can't articulate the story, the big story and, and how God is faithful, how God has been at work, um, d- do some work on that. Yeah. Uh, what would you like, Paul, what would you recommend for someone who's, who's kind of like, I don't know, what is the big story of the Bible? Well, I mean, there's lots of different, uh, you know, places that you can go. I know, um, uh, North Point has some really good resources that kind of talk about the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even the Meeting House here locally has kind of done some some good work on that kind of thing. So you can find some of those things. Yep. Um, but yeah, certainly the overall arc is really important. But I think one of the questions that we can ask ourselves, especially at Christmas, is so where is Christmas in that story? Yeah. Like, I know I'm very careful when I talk about it, and you might even find that it sounds a little awkward when I say it on a Sunday morning, but... I, I don't say that Jesus was the culmination of the story hmm. because the story of Christmas is not exactly the culmination. <laughs> like it's not no. bringing everything together. Um, nor is it the beginning of God's story yep. because God's story has begun well beyond that. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. So there's this kind of idea that like the, so I guess that's the question I think that that would be a good one to ask yourself in, in light of this idea of trying to see the bigger picture where does Christmas fit into the story? Mm. Um, you know, and the way that I, I see it is that this, this is, um, you know, this is the, the beginning of some of the best parts, Mm. (laughs) you know, in one sense, the fact that Jesus comes to earth, uh, this is the, this is where God, uh, the word becomes flesh, you know, God enters into, into the world. Um, it's the, it is the, um, the continuation of this incredible rescue plan that God yeah. has for the world. And yeah, it's, it's in my mind, you know, if, if we were to lay this out in a story arc, we've seen the problem. We've, we're kind of yep. keenly aware of the crisis and this is the turning point in which we just get a hint of what the solution could be. Yeah. Uh, and obviously we know the story and we know the climax, which is Easter and the resurrection. Yep. Um, but this is kind of that like, Oh yes, there's hope. And that's why, you know, there's hope, there's joy, yep. there's, and Mary just embodies that so well. Yeah. So, so let I mean, let's loop back around to joy. Um, what is it? What is it we can do to to understand the world a little more like Mary? And how do we practice this in our day to day lives? Right. So, um, you know, what I what I talked about on Sunday was was just really simple. Um, some things that she recognized in the midst of the, everything that that I think we can be mindful of. You know, the first is that God is mindful of us, uh, the reminder that mm. he cares about us, even when we are unlikely people or people that, you know, maybe we wouldn't assume that God would be mindful of. Um, uh, but the, I think this is the beauty of the gospel is that there's such an upside down nature to it. And and that's really yeah. clear. And, and so uh, that I kind of think is something that reminds us of this and, and provides an opportunity for joy and then recognizing he has a plan not only for us, but also for the whole world. And then the reminder that he saves, this is, this is the, you know, as you said, this is the beginning. This is that little glimmer of hope, mm-hmm. um, in the, in the darkness. And I think, actually, I think, you know, one thing that we don't, don't talk about a lot with uh, Christmas, you know, we, we think about songs like silent night and holy night, and it, it really kind of has this like serene, quiet snow mm-hmm. falling on the ground here in North America. Um, but what happens, there's this idea that, that he's born into the night, I think actually matters, yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So, so it's really interesting. If you look at, um, I'm going to get musical on you for a minute. And if you don't understand music, you, this may go over your head, but that's okay. Uh, if you look at the songs we sing at Christmas, we sing more songs in minor keys at Christmas than any time of the year. Hmm. Uh, more of the Christmas carols are minor than, than other carols and hymns throughout, right? Like there's, there's just a lot of that. And that, you know, that doesn't, ironically, it's not, it doesn't point to the fact that there's no hope. It points to the fact that like the contrast of the, the minor that we feel, the, the, yeah. the darkness yeah. and then the light and yeah. the coming of the light. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's really significant. I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so, and so with those kinds of things in mind, I think the, the, the next step is, okay, so how do we actually, um, put it into our life? And, and I think that, you know, part of this, so again, I'm not asking or or suggesting that we be inauthentic. Um, but I am suggesting that we notice those times where we are lacking joy. Um, and then we, we do something to pursue it. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I told a story about one of our missionaries who, um, has created this program uh, basically called Oasis that is a sort of in the middle of some of the Syrian refugee camps uh, where people are are living without sort of the, the amenities that they need. Yeah. Um, there are these little spaces and in those spaces, wherever they have those opportunities, they gather the kids together and they play. Mm. And I think there's something about kids playing in the middle of a war zone <laughs> You know, that kind of reminds us that that there is this possibility for joy in the midst of, you know, the the bigger, you know, terrible problem. Yeah. So for example, I think I think we as as adults, when we grow up, we feel like we have to take on the weight of the world. Hmm. And so when we come to something like COVID and the situation that we're facing right now, we are in so much pain because we take on all of the feelings of like, this is terrible and and think about all the things that are happening and all that kind of stuff. And all of that is true. There's no question. But in the midst of that, you know, taking opportunities to smile reminds us that we have a bigger view. Like we're saying, okay, there's more to it than this. There's, you know, that God has a bigger plan and that allows us to find joy even in the middle of that. Can you talk a little bit more about play? Uh, and even yeah. how play in our lives ties in with joy and, and how we can, you know, in the midst of COVID, I know many people are playing board games or doing puzzles or video games, like what, or, or hanging out digitally. Yeah. Like what, what is the role of play and how is that tied to joy or different or the same? Or Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a good, it's a good question. I, I, um, I, I just think that there's something about the idea of, of carving out space to um, have fun when, uh, when fun is not necessarily the the thing that we should be focused on. For for example, let me give you an example. Um, if if uh, oftentimes at a funeral or at, when someone passes away, yep. um, there are times when the family gets together, and I've been there in many cases, you know, with the family preparing for a um, p- preparing for a funeral, and uh, almost always at some point we'll laugh. Yeah, you know, so almost always. And, and what, what that says to me is that there's a part of us and yeah, okay. You know, you could talk about joy or, or laughter sort of breaking the, the awkward silence Mm -hmm. and, and there's, you know, but I'm not talking about that kind of awkward laugh. I'm talking about thinking about something in that person's life that actually makes us, you know, laugh because Mm -hmm. of something that happened. And, and I think that there's something about that that reminds us to not take think, not take ourselves so seriously and not take the world around us so seriously. It's a, yeah. There's a bit of a calm that comes with that. And so I think, again, if, if we think about this idea of the hope 
being tied to joy, then there's a sense in which when we do allow ourselves to laugh, there is there is this hope that is at the base of it. Hmm. So when I think about, you know, playing board games or, or you know, having fun with our family, um, I think that's really important, um, especially with our kids. And, you know, because there's a lot of bad news that people were talking about and hearing about, yep. even in our own situations. And I'm not saying that this is just reserved for people who aren't affected by COVID. I'm talking about people who are deeply affected by it. Mm. Um, taking a moment to have fun um, actually, uh, it, it does something to us. It actually uh, allows us to see a bigger picture, and that's important. Yeah, and I, I think in some ways play uh, functions a bit like Sabbath. So Sabbath is this idea that, you know, one day a week we, we rest. Um, and what that forces us to do is to recognize that we aren't in control and that God is. Um, it's, it's when done right, it's actually deeply freeing, and it, it's a reminder of, like, I am most human when I don't take on all the burdens of the world on myself, but I give them back to God where he's the one who's got this. Um, yeah. And I think play is a good way to move us from this anxious, you know, difficulty of dealing with stuff like COVID right now yeah. into this deep abiding peace and hope and joy. And, and I, I think, you know, and I know we're coming to the end of our time, but I do, I, I just, just to piggyback on what you're saying and to tie it back to the kids that I saw, right? Mm. The reason that kids can play in the middle of the difficulty is because they have this intrinsic trust of their family or yeah. parents or, you know, whatever it happens to be. And so I think that there's something really, really important about recognizing ourselves as children of God, because as we grow up, like you said, we try to take control of all of these things. When you're a kid, you, you don't. <laughs> when you're a kid, you just embrace the moment, yeah. and embracing the moment can often result in joy. Yeah, so good. Seems like a great closing thought, Paul. We will be back uh, next week with more Postscript. We're going to be wrapping our Advent series up with love, and uh, we look forward to chatting then.